Hello, and welcome to Wands and Fronds, the weekly podcast where we cover magic, herbalism, and more. I'm Nick. And I'm Shannon. And we are your co-hosts, as usual. Uh, today, I'm talking about the god of dicks and other whoop, things, whoop. <laughs> Priapus, uh, as well as exploring some phallic magic of our own. Ooh, a big eggplant emoji energy today. Uh, I'm talking about fenugreek, which is one that I think magically and medicinally Western herbalists and witches maybe kind of overlook, but it's really bomb. And also fenugreek leaves are like a major ingredient in Indian food, which hmm, always on board. Always uh, truly on board. But before we get into all of that, Shannon, when did you feel the magic this week? Oh man. So this week, uh, I think for me within the last week, it was so during the new moon in Gemini last week i also finally have some of my moon flowers opening so i made a moon water slash moon flower essence by charging some water in the new moon under my moon flowers and i am just so excited to add that to a manifestation ritual bath i'm also thinking about making like a calling in spray to use in my house because so one of my to-do lists for the next month is to re-up all of the magical protection stuff on my house because I have been lax in the last year on that. And I think that I want to include some calling in. So I'm also probably going to add some of this water to like a floor wash. Ooh, actually, so there is this really, really huge detura that's on my walk to work that has been going absolutely crazy this week as well and um it's actually outside of a flower shop which i love that they have like Mm -hmm. a giant detour outside of a flower shop and they smell so good but yeah it's like literally when i'm walking home at night so like all these flowers are open like last i looked it was at least 10 flowers like there was there was one early one a few weeks ago but now it's like fully covered and we love her and um yeah we do stand all moonflowers. So I have, I actually, I have two. So uh, I'm going to do one that's, you know, just kind of like positive. But um, I was having this moment with Faye actually earlier this very afternoon. I, I was just kind of like laying here in bed. I had just eaten lunch, right? And Faye was trying to get me to take a nap. And, but she was laying there and she was like letting me hold her like a baby, which she doesn't always do. But she was like laying on my, Aww. on my stomach, like, facing me and just like letting me like hold her right and um i'm not gonna take a nap i'm like i'm not gonna take a nap um but it was actually so so she like reaches out her little paw and it was like such a like human tender little gesture she just like reaches out her little paw and just like touches my face it's like it's like oh and i was like oh the baby i love you so much the baby um but no, she was like, like literally, like gazing into my soul, and um, she like touched my face, and I was like, I'm, you know, like I'm having this out of body experience, but um, it was great, it was great. But also, I will say, like, it's not always, you know, like sunshine and daisies. And I realized when I was doing the sort of dick magic segment that I actually have quite a bit of work uh, to do in that area of my life, um, spiritually, emotionally, shadow work, um, you name it, and it's like. Sometimes the magic is um, realizing that you had a blind spot. I get that. 
And this was definitely one of those weeks where I was like, hmm, okay, I'm uncomfy. And I really need Oof. to like think about why I'm uncomfy right now. So... I love that. I, I do. Because I think it's important, like so much stuff in, I think, especially in this age of Instagram is very love and light. And we are not team love and light always. Um, but I guess just to add to that, I actually finished therapy last week. I've been in therapy for like over two years with this one woman. And, you know, I think that it's important as witches, but also just as people to try to unpack our shit when it comes up. And I'm so yeah. glad that you like were willing to share that because also it's like a very sensitive topic. So like, oh, thank you for know. getting like real and open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and, and what I will say is like when we had this episode kind of planned out, like I thought it was going to be a lot of laughs but then I get you know it like actually ended up being more serious than I thought it was going to be and yeah like I, I think I I thought a lot more than I thought I was going to writing about uh, a segment that is titled dick magic so yeah. uh, without further ado though I guess we can kind of like steamroll right into let's that. talk about some dicks let's talk about some dicks so Let's, I think, get all the giggles out of our system now because it is time for dicks or to be more scientific phalluses. Uh, and I might as well include a trigger warning up top that this is obviously going to be a bit graphic and a lot about the piece of human anatomy colloquially referred to as a member. Ooh, um, a member. A throbbing member, a as throbbing it's often member, described yes. in, like, romantic novels. Uh, indeed. Um, so, ditto talking about Priapus later on. Um, so, let's just have this one count as, like, really, two-thirds of this episode is going to be a lot of dick talk. So, yeah. definitely not one for the whole family. Uh, Proceed please, with caution. Please feel free to take a moment now, if you are driving while listening to Wants and Franz, to politely yet firmly ask any children to leave the vehicle. And, Immediately. And yeah, literally just leave them at Dairy Queen. Do not leave them on the side go, of the road. Do not collect $200. Um, bail out of the car. Tuck and roll. Tuck and roll. All right. So <laughs> no more kids in the car. Um, dicks. Cocks. Members. Schlongs. Straps. Pork swords. Ooh. Eggplants. Skin flutes. Tallywhackers. Johnson's, pricks, willies, dongs, penises. I do just have to plug that the episode title on our Google Doc is literally just the eggplant emoji. But schlong is probably one of my favorites. Schlong is a good one. Um, I do. Uh, I like. I like straps. I don't know why. I feel like there's that certain kind of like. I don't know. It's like is he strapped? It's because it's you know it's like referring to a weapon. Um, yeah the weapon is is the dick i um, i have to say skin flute is the most upsetting to me <laughs> viscerally like yeah uh-huh uh-huh and then of course port swords from the famous film juno oh my god um, yeah that scene that scene was a moment i a just moment in cinematic history so many uh things to unpack but i think we have to move on because we could probably do an entire episode just we on could, things people call dicks just things people call dicks. but okay so the human male sex organ has been a powerful symbol of strength and fertility truly since time immemorial and of course in our world and in our culture uh 
Abrahamic religion and its pious view of sexuality has held sway for literally hundreds of years, virtually unopposed. So we're a little disconnected from that kind of symbolism in modern times, but pagans, being the rebels that we are, we're taking it back. We're taking all that stuff back. Um, we're reclaiming dick energy. We're reclaiming dick energy. That is right. Uh, and at least, you know, it's like, I can really only speak for myself, but even though I've seen probably literally hundreds of years, hours, hundreds of years of pornography, oh my God, uh, hundreds of hours of pornography on the internet, I absolutely have a giggling fit when I see like a dick mosaic from Pompeii, even though that was like a serious piece of art that someone had in their house. Um, but dicks are, have always been funny. I'm like, there's no way that people were not giggling a little when they drew dicks on cave walls. Like, I do not believe it. I mean, and I don't believe it either. I'm just saying it's like there, there is that kind of like that knee-jerk reaction of like, oh, it's oh, yeah. funny. It's Oh, it's funny because it's dirty. It's funny because it's dirty. Oh, my God. But I will also say, you know, as someone who has experimented with like tantric breathing and yes, even edging, which actually I did want to be like, people out there know what edging is right like I really do not have to like I think what, so I don't I, you know it's like I'm not to say what edging is yeah this like, isn't sex ed but if you have follow-up questions like message us <laughs> anywho but there is a lot of energy at play in your body leading up to an orgasm and then there's this like connection to your body and the release and like building of tension that feels energetically would be great for using in witchcraft um and so Obviously, we're talking about penis havers using orgasms for sex magic. That's, about, that's what we're talking about. Right? So it's a classical form of manifestation that penis havers and non-penis havers alike can use. But, you know, sort of when you're feeling the energy moving through your body and your chakras even, um, when you're kind of like focusing on some goal or even a mantra, if we're going like tantric style meditation, uh, mantra, obviously. Um, but when you reach climax, you're supposed to visualize your your wish or whatever, your manifestation, um, sort of radiating out of your crown chakra and out into the universe. So you're like a little broadcasting antenna sort of at the moment of completion, um, which is great, great, great. And A plus, again, for penis havers and non-penis havers alike, but then there's also this belief about semen itself having magical properties and like this is ones and bronze, so we're not particularly like comfortable going in a bodily fluids direction. But yeah, famously, where there's dicks, there's gonna become usually. So, you know, it's like with with the whole like priapus thing, which we're you know not really gonna talk about that either. But it's like uh, you know, like coming, like coming in a field after you plow it like fertility or like think of like the pharaoh coming in the nile for fertility the symbolism the symbolism is obviously there right um because we're talking about planting seeds we're talking about um wanting protection we're talking about wanting fertility but it's like at the end of the day you know it's like you can't just put your cum everywhere no um yeah that's not only gross it's illegal it's absolutely illegal. And I would say that's not the important thing here. It's just, it's, um, it's, it's kind of like, I'm not grossed out by cum, but I just think the idea of like random strangers, like 
coming on walls or like coming in the dirt that they're growing food out of or you know it's just like you know i think we we've moved past the need for using cum as much in uh in witchcraft and i think that's fine and all you know also what came up a lot when i was doing research for this was a lot of the like satanic sex magic where there is a lot of like everyone's gonna come in a goblet and then someone's gonna drink it and you know if if you're a satanist um if you're a consenting party if you really feel so strongly that you need to have like a bunch of dudes come in a goblet and then have someone drink it you know like do it but like i'm not personally gonna be talking about that today except to say that i'm not talking about it that like straight up made me start gagging like right. but okay. not to yuck anyone's yum but that not is to yuck not anyone's my yum, yum. Um, not but, it, but you know my personal opinion is that sort of doing the cum is the magical part where you're like manifesting where you're focusing your energy um and you know it's okay to just yeet the cum into a hand towel or whatever your preferred cum situation is everyone's got their own thing that they do and i think this is one of those things like we're talking about it we're talking about it you know everyone comes somewhere different yeah. some people just some, some, some people just come right into the toilet and i feel like that lacks any kind of romance because you're like what looking at the toilet while you masturbate standing up also standing up yeah don't masturbate standing up treat yourself and yeah. I, I do get into this later on. I do absolutely get into this later on because, so mm, pop a pin in that. Please pop a pin in that. But standing up, really, what are we doing? You know, I do feel like if we're talking about dick magic in a serious way, in a serious way, I feel like there's room in this conversation to actually talk about how toxic a lot of the culture around male sexuality is. And that's kind of what we're talking about instead. Um, I, or we're talking about that a little bit. And this uh, segment kind of um, meanders a little bit. Okay, you know, like that's just how it had to be. That's how it had to be. Um, and so I'm gonna talk about how getting just fully getting away a little bit from the current culture of male sexuality is good spiritual progress in and of itself, even if you're not um doing sex magic. Okay, so um, I'm gonna overshare a little bit. This is part of, I mean, there was a there was a full disclaimer. There was a full disclaimer. So is it oversharing? If there's a disclaimer, I think not. I don't think so. I think you're here. If you're here, you're here for the ride. You're Let's here. Go. You're along for the ride. What I will say is that when the pandemic kicked off and I was um, living alone in a studio apartment, I was single and I was not really feeling comfortable going out, having sexual encounters. Um, I had been through a bad breakup a few months before. So I was just like, drawing unemployment and like truly getting down to it okay um and it really turned into this like compulsive dead-eyed pleasureless kind of thing and again i can only speak for myself but that definitely made me feel spiritually unaligned and physically not very good either so um and truly i would say how can you feel powerful and magical and purposeful if that area of your life is so incredibly out of whack? So I guess what I'm saying is that to all of the penis-having witches out there, like myself, whether or not you actually intend to engage in some solo phallic sex magic, 
I cannot recommend enough just like taking some time to actually enjoy your own body in that way without screens. And I would even say sober because there is this thing where dudes lean into pornography and they lean into being fucked up or both or like poppers or like all this extra, extra, extra shit. And it's really like you're you're kind of like getting out of touch with your own body. Um, like you really can just like let your body do its thing and like feel your breathing and your heartbeat and just like taking stock of like what's actually going through your mind just with manual pleasuring of yourself without again, without like being on the internet looking at pornography. And here's what I will say. It's like, we talk about witchy stuff, you know, like we're talking about doing witchcraft um, as, you know, like a, a someone with a penis masturbating, right? One of the most powerful things I think spiritually about this whole thing is sort of that mind-body connection, right? Which I do partially ascribe to being an Aries and just having this very like physical and tactile view of the world. But I would say this whole culture of like, porn, 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 and just, like, rubbing one out, like, really quick in front of the computer really is, to me, like, this joyless exercise and almost like a chore. Like, you, it's something you, again, it's almost like a compulsive activity of, like, I, I have to come every day. And so, you know, like, I just have to get one in, like, and again, you're just very disconnected from the whole act of it. And I would say as men, we do deprive ourselves of a lot of potential for actual like sensuality in our lives because of this weird programming around like masculinity, where somehow it's like perfectly normal to light a few candles and use a nice scent and maybe even play some soft music in the background if you're having sex with someone. But if you're doing that just for you, it's like weird and extra. And like, what, what even is that? Like, but like, really, it's like, yeah, like clean sheets, you know, like make your bed. Like, yeah, it's like your pleasure isn't just utilitarian. I, yeah, it's like, it's not, you know, it's like you don't just have to like rub one out. It's like you can get into it. Like, it's not. It's it's weird that we are so repressed that it is preferable to just be like in a dark room, just like quickly rubbing one out to a screen than like actually like getting to know your body and like. Well, I feel like it all just comes back so much to this like culture of shame, right? Because it's like it's been turned into this thing like masturbation is shameful so it needs to be hidden and it needs to be done like where no one can see you like in the dark and and it's like it's happened for those with you know various downstairs mix-up situations happening but I think especially for men there's also this idea that like pleasure is effeminate and frivolous right 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 so it's almost like if you it's like you're supposed to like sex and be obsessed with fucking, but like if you like it too much, it's somehow effeminate. Yeah, it somehow makes you less of a dude. And it's like that, number one, it doesn't make any sense, but also like don't let the Abrahamic religious weirdos win. Well, there's like even this thing where it's like if you're fucking a guy and he will like stifle a moan because it's like even in like the gay community, it's like, no, like I want to hear a dude moaning. Yeah. 
like if like, you're feeling like if you're feeling good and your body is like moaning that's hot that's hot but also like don't repress that don't hold that in like no it's like there is nothing about sex that is like comfortable quote unquote right it's like these this isn't a normal interaction that you have with someone and like walk away without any like new emotions right you're not like waving hello to someone on the street it's like right. it's gonna get intimate you're gonna find out things about each other but also that's what it is and like that's part of what makes it so powerful right 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 and and so I guess I don't want to get stuck here specifically, but all of that to say that if we're talking about like male orgasm in a spiritual context, I do personally feel that there is a lot of merit to sort of like getting back to the basics. And again, like letting your body do its thing and like being in touch with your own physical self um, and like allowing yourself to have that sense-based experience, like enjoy like the smells, like enjoy like light a fucking candle like put out some essential oils like take a fucking bath i know fuck's sake relax your muscles and then come make it an experience like don't just come come like capital c-u-m come and yeah ultimately i do feel like there is this sense of like grounding that is in that like sense-based experience that is like really in like being in your own imagination even like knowing what the fuck you want how can you manifest what you want if you don't take the actual time to think about it and recognize it and like yeah you're leaving so much power truly on the table not only for like other people to manipulate you but for you to like not know where you're going in life like for something that should be important to a lot of people where it's like if you don't if you aren't in touch with yourself how can you know what the fuck you want in the first place like yeah and it's like if you can't get in touch with your own like the most basic physical animalistic pleasure how on earth are you supposed to draw any other pleasure into your life right but I, I do feel like there is this grounding there. And ultimately, I feel like there is sort of a more energetic come. I like kind of like being au natural with it. And like, I'm not one of those people. I'm like, I don't think people should like stop watching porn. Like, if you like watching porn, I mean, I still watch porn, but like, not every time. And yeah. like, I absolutely take the time to like, you know, again, let things happen naturally. And I think that's good. And like, honestly, it's like, dudes should be more okay with treating themselves well in that as aspect of their lives like yeah and for fuck's sake stop using hand lotion and buy actual lube it will change your life like i th- and that's just a side note i do know so many dudes i mean and like it's a lot of straight dudes but like you know if you've had this conversation with penis havers and it's like you know like a lot of straight dudes are like yeah i just use you know like lotion or what like jergens even and it's like what are you 14 buy some fucking like lube that's like purpose-built like they literally have it out there that's like for making jerking off better even like be an adult okay also like you'll be amazed at how much less product you go through 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Because lotion is not meant to be a lubricant. It's meant to no. absorb into your skin. There's a reason you have to reapply. Um anywho. Which brings us back to dick magic though, because speaking of having this sort of sense-based experience, one thing you can do is create a sigil for what you're trying to manifest with the energy of your orgasm and focus on that a bit while you're kind of doing your thing. Um, or you could do it on a candle and have that going on your bedside table. And I had had this kind of brainwave um, of like, you could even use a washable marker and put a sigil on your cum rag. I don't know if that's like, a thing or not but i'm like i have washable markers i know how to make sigils and i have a cum rag i don't see why i wouldn't um yeah that's... experiment with it what's the worst that happens it's a cum rag it's not like you're ruining the good hand towels no I'm, and obviously there is a very marked difference between the cum rag and the good hand towels like yeah you're not gonna you're not gonna mistake one for the other um but okay seriously though um i've also seen this idea of like touching yourself while you stare into a flame like in a fireplace Ooh. or on a candle and kind of like visualizing your like erotic fantasies um which i think that would be a great like journaling or magical writing exercise like writing down what you see in the flame while you're like doing your thing uh, because stuff comes up like if you were literally if you were not watching pornography and you were just like straight up masturbating things will come into your brain and I, there's a lot of power in that imagery but also like you I mean like a dream journal like you should write down the stuff you see when you're like in the throes of pleasure because it's very revealing I would say there's a lot of uh very revealing insights to be had there um so I mean, and that's something, you know, like, you're ultimately going to have to do that on your own, because I'm not going to tell you what I see when I'm, like, about to come, because that's truly none of your business, but. <laughs> yeah, I think there's, like, lines that. Um... There's absolutely lines. Like, we're talking so much about come, but y'all don't need to know, like, what I come to. Okay, like, that's the boundary. Yeah. Um, Boundaries are healthy. So, but we did talk about this previously when we were talking about the evil eye and like Strega and Italian witchcraft, but phallic imagery is supposedly a ward against the evil eye, which for some reason brought to mind yet another weird arts and craft idea inspired by the classic, which is to paint, to put non-toxic orange paint on your ass, sit on a piece of paper and then paint a jack-o'-lantern face on your ass print, therefore transforming it into a pumpkin. Um, and so the classic evil eye ward is a dick with wings, which has to do with like Priapus being related to Hermes and primarily being worshipped as like part of the cult of Hermes, like not necessarily on his own, um, which we are going to get into later on. Don't you worry. But ultimately the symbol, like the symbol against the evil eye is like a dick with wings. And so I'm like, you know, if you did want to do like a little DIY um, evil eye ward and you had a dick, um, you could put, put non-toxic paint on your dick and like dick slap um, and make your own evil eye ward. Um, so that's fun. Something fun. I just, okay, but like, can we back it up and you say the classic paint your ass orange and sit on a piece of paper thing? Is that a classic thing? I don't think I've ever heard of that. Curvy people do it for Halloween every year. Okay. okay, look it up. 
I'm going, I, well, I don't know if I want to look for it. I feel like that might get weird. I just have never heard of that before. I mean, I'm mad respect for all of our perverts out there, as long as you don't have any unwilling victims. Um, just, I was like, the classic thing? What? It's the classic uh, thing. It's the classic thing perbs do on Halloween. Says the, the Virgo. Uh, yeah, it's like, I feel like Nick and I are both not exactly the most comfortable with conversations. I, I would even so. I would even go so far as to say that like I'm all for people being sex positive, but I myself am not like super sex positive. And that's um, fair. You know, it's a spectrum. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, yeah. everyone. Yeah. But let's no, keep talking fair. about let's keep talking about cum. Let's keep talking about cum. No, I'm kidding. Um what I will say is that we do typically shy away from gendering things aggressively here at Once and Bronze, but I think if we're specifically talking about dick magic, like, it is kind of the one time we can talk about sort of the less problematic things that are seen as masculine and associated with phallic imagery. So cool things like protection, which can be represented by things like swords and spears. How cool is that? Um, but also, there is sort of traditionally this association with masculinity and wildness. Um, whereas, like, the feminine influence is seen as, like, this civilizing influence, this domestic influence, even, because domesticity is ultimately civilization. And so the opposite of that, which, again, would traditionally be represented by masculinity, is this kind of wildness, which we love. You know, like, we're big fans of, like, Artemis, and, like, truly, maybe domesticity has gone too far um because i mean look at the state of the world and like our use of resources to sort of create this um this fantasy of a, of a domesticated world um and so you know it's like we do kind of yearn for this wildness and we do kind of yearn for this um simpler life this more instinct driven life that is kind of you know traditionally masculine um and so that kind of wildness can be represented by things like antlers which you know uh, something really cool that you can forage for is shed antlers a lot of species of deer the elks will shed the antlers when they are growing new ones so that is a perfectly fine thing to go and take from the environment um it's no longer providing a food source um the ants pretty much pick it clean and it's just a little bone and that is something nice that you can take from nature also um rams We'll sometimes lose a horn um, doing the headbutting. And again, totally fine. If a ram is dead, you know, you can get uh, ram's horns that way. Um, I mean, rams do die of old age. So, I, you know, it's like one of those things. It's like, it's okay. You know, like, don't kill a ram for a horn. Yeah, no, then we'll come kill you. But but you can take a found horn. Take it. I guess what we're saying is taking a found horn is fine. Um, but like claws too, like they all kind of have this like phallic aspect. Um, oh my god! If you have a house cat, cats shed their claws, and sometimes you can get like whole claws. I from found your house I cat. I find I find whole claws in my in yeah. my rug all the time. It's like there's free magical spell ingredients. Free magical spell ingredients. Also, I will say, you know what? I was kind of disappointed. Like, um, because I did get Faye as a kitten and or kittenish. And um, I, I know they say that you almost never find the cat's baby teeth. But I was like, I just want one. I just I want know. one. And yeah, I never did. I, where do they go? Do they eat them? That's weird. Probably. I mean, 
I definitely accidentally swallowed one of my baby teeth. I just remember very vividly from like lunch, realizing that I started the lunch hour with a loose baby tooth and ended without it. Um, so I would and, guess it's probably the same. And, you know, I'm sure your stomach acid is fine. Like, you know, you ever do that thing where you put a baby tooth in a, a, a shot of Coca-Cola? No. Um, well, we had a science teacher in elementary school who um, I guess, you know, just wanted to show how bad Coca-Cola was for you and your teeth. And like the tooth dissolved in like a day. Just gone. Oh, God. The whole tooth. Um, well. Anywho, long story short. So, um, yeah, phallic imagery um, in nature, antlers, um, horns, um, claws. Okay. And yeah. Don't forget feel- the maypole. Don't. Don't forget the maypole and like really any kind of wand, if we're being serious, is kind of like a phallic stand-in. Yeah, not, I mean, honestly, to... probably a frond too. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, it's like we're uh, apparently a very phallic podcast, but... um, Not planned, but here you are. But I would say, just to kind of finish out here, I do feel like there is room at the altar for representations of the divine masculine, just so long as we're all honest with ourselves, that a lot of masculinity is still so very toxic in the year of our Lord, 2022. And it can be difficult to get into and like explore that side of things at times. And I think as witches, like we should be on the forefront of confronting that as a culture um because if it makes you uncomfy it's worth looking into i love that well i feel like this was a good intro that didn't get too graphic in ways that i think might have been uncomfortable for us i don't know about anybody else yeah it's like everyone else is like um how are y'all witches and you were like so uptight well you know what i grew up i grew up in a southern baptist household and it really fucked my brain up, okay? So I did my best. Thank you so much. Yeah, we're doing our best. Okay, well, Greek. <laughs> Greek is actually a great, like, little herb. And we're going to talk about its dick-adjacent property soon. But I wanted to start by describing exactly what it looks like. Especially because I think this is one that people maybe aren't as familiar with in general. But fenugreek, or Trigonella fenum gracem, is an annual plant in the Fabaceae family. And Ooh, that's fab, honey. Oh, she's fab. Uh, this family includes things like legumes and beans and, you know, cute little peas. The leaves on this plant, they each have like three small oblong leaflets. And if you've ever seen a peanut plant, this looks very similar to a peanut plant. And peanuts are also in the Fabaceae family, so it makes sense. But it can grow up to two feet tall, so it gets a little taller than peanuts. And it has a single hollow hairy stem and then it's got like little stems that branch out from that uh, starting at the base and the flowers are solitary and they grow from the leaf axils and so they're either white yellow or purple but if you've ever seen a flowering pea plant this is exactly like how and where they flower like you know how peas they they kind of flower almost in like the crook of the leaf if that makes sense the leaf axle there that's where they flower uh anyway So the leaves and the seed pods are edible and the yellow brown seeds develop in these like curved yellow pods, like very legumey, like no surprises there. The English name fenugreek actually comes from the middle French fenugrec, which means Greek hay, which I just thought was cute. 
and it was most likely brought into cultivation in the Near East, but we're not entirely sure which wild strain was the one they originally brought in to cultify, uh, to cultify, cultivate, cultivize. But this plant has really been popular for a long time. They have found charred fenugreek seeds uh, from Tel Halal in Iraq, which have been carbon dated to the Bronze Age. Been a minute. Been there a minute. Also, yeah. They also recovered fenugreek seeds uh, in the tomb of, you know, this little known pharaoh Tutankhamun. Oh, who? Uh, otherwise known as King Tut. Uh, so, you know, kind of a big deal. There's also this first century AD recipe from Rome that they found that lists fenugreek as an ingredient for a flavored wine. And in that same century in I Galilee. Feel like, I feel like that would taste kind of like Fernet. Or is that just me? Like no, fenugreek wine? No, I think you're right. I think that's probably a pretty good like comparison there. Um, but yeah, so back to like first century AD, we're in Galilee. And it was grown as a staple food crop. And Josephus actually mentions fenugreek in his book, The Wars of the Jews. And it's also mentioned in the second century compendium of Jewish oral law. So fenugreek, very important to Jewish traditions. So a very like long and deep history, right? And if you want to grow it, you're in luck. So not only is it pretty simple, like a lot of legumes, it's also an awesome uh, cover crop that will fix nitrogen in the soil. So with that in mind, if you're someone who has like multiple garden beds, I think one of the best things you can do to sort of maximize your yield is to rotate your crops through them. And every other year or every few years in the garden bed, just grow things like legumes, like fenugreek, peas, beans. That way you can help replenish the nitrogen in the soil. And it's really going to help your veggies like grow better in the next year. And it's cool the way these do this is, you know, nitrogen fixing plants actually work with bacteria that's in the soil. And an easy way to tell if a plant is nitrogen fixing is when you dig up the root, if you look at it, there are pink nodules on the roots of nitrogen fixing plants, which I just think is super cool. The other great news here, though, is that nitrogen fixing plants are able to like grow and flourish in low quality soil because they're bringing their own nitrogen which is a great thing to have in your back pocket if you need to like rehab an area of the garden i do have to say fenugreek doesn't transplant well you're gonna need to go from seed on this one so you're gonna want to sow it once the danger of frost has passed you could sow it from the late spring all the way into late summer but you're going to want to go on the earlier side of that range if you're growing it for the seeds because you want to make sure there's plenty of time for it to develop and like mature the seed pods. But you can always plant it all the way through the summer and the later ones you plant, you'll just get the, get the leaves from. But the leaves are also good. The seeds also sprout pretty quickly on this one. Literally, like within a few days, you should see them poking up through the soil. Just keep the soil moist, but not totally waterlogged throughout the entire time you're growing them. You also don't really need to worry about fertilizing it because it is a nitrogen fixer, but you can add a little compost every few weeks if you want some more robust growth. It does need at least four hours of direct sun every day. But if you live somewhere cooler, you should definitely aim for sunnier spots, maybe like five to six, even seven hours of direct sun a day, because these do well in hot climates, right? Like this is something that grows in India. It's actually going to be a really good choice for places, Nick, that regularly get up into the 90s. 
Oh my gosh, it's literally, um, it's going to be over a hundred degrees all week. Ew. And well, they're and they're already starting with the rolling blackouts, so we're having a good time. Cute. Well, we're on water restrictions. I get to water on Tuesdays and Fridays. Um, but if you're if you're someone that lives regular where it regularly gets in the triple digits, y'all just like get yourself some like shade cloth. Just do yourself a favor. Uh, no plants were really designed. They to don't. They don't like it. If you if you go to that. a place that's been the desert for a long time. Um, you'll notice not a lot of trees, not a lot of shrubs, not a lot of herbaceous growth uh, in general. Yeah, it yeah, it's rough. It sucks but... trying to trying to keep something you know that uh, wants to have rain and and shade uh, and not boil alive and not boil alive. Out. But if you're uh if you're wanting to grow this as the stem matures, just like pinch off the top third periodically and it'll continue to like grow nice and lush for you. If you're not planning to collect the seeds, you can actually prune it back, like prune back the full like six inches of the top just to encourage even more growth and to keep it from setting seeds. Because as soon as it sets seeds, the leaves are gonna get a little bit more bitter. It's pretty common with most herbs. They say the same thing about cilantro. I have like one bit of my cilantro plant that I've let bolt. So I'm getting coriander seeds from it, which I'm really excited about. But the leaves on it don't taste as good anymore. So just keep that in mind. But also more good news. If you're a container gardener, a gardener. Oh, my God, y'all. I've got dumb tongue today. <laughs> container um, gardener. Gardener. It's gardener. I think it's because I've been listening to Neil Gaiman like the audiobook Neil Gaiman did on Norse mythology. And I think all of the weird vowel sounds are sneaking into my brain. Oh no. I, I know those feels. I know those feels. Okay. And like Norse God names are like Norse mythology in general is full of so many oars and ears. <laughs> like yeah. we just don't do that in English. Um, anyway, but if you're a container gardener, this one will do really well in a container. It can also be grown even on like a sunny windowsill. And because the roots are shallow, you don't need a super deep container. Just make sure it's at least six inches deep. So it's not crazy. Of course, you want something with good drainage. And then once your seedlings come up, you want to thin it. So there's like one to two inches of space between the seedlings. Like this is a fantastic windowsill herb garden plant if you're into Indian food. Like fenugreek is one of the main ingredients in mati. So yummy but let's talk about the medicinal properties y'all disclaimer 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 i am not a doctor nick is not a doctor this podcast is not intended to diagnose or treat any medical difficulties please just talk to your fucking doctor don't take medical advice from podcasters this is for entertainment y'all always consult your physician anyway so of course because this is so popular in indian food you might have guessed it's carminative like a lot of herbs that we see used in Indian cooking, they're good for digestive health. It's almost like things help balance out all of the spices in Indian food. But to start like up top, I just want to go through like the actions that have been included in peer-reviewed medical journals because fenugreek is a really like all-purpose herb and we're not going to get into everything. But just to like give you guys an example, it is carminative. It's a gastric stimulant. It's anti-diabetic, galactagogue, hypocholesterolemic, uh, anti-lipidemia, antioxidant, 
hepatoprotective, anti-inflammatory, antibacterial, antifungal, anti-ulcer, anti-lithogenic, anti-carcinogenic, and estrogenic. That's a lot of There's a lot going on there. It's a lot. The cool thing about fenugreek, though, when you hear about all of these actions, like it's very activating and movement oriented, but it also has a special soothing quality because it is mucilaginous. And one of the things you'll most commonly see fenugreek used for is for promoting lactation. So one of the main reasons mothers in the U.S. quit breastfeeding early, so within the first six months, is because they don't produce enough milk. And 70% of U.S. health providers who provide breastfeeding counseling recommend galactagogues with fenugreek being the most popular. And galactagogues is a really cool way to say it helps with like increasing production of breast milk. But galactagog also sounds like an alien from Star Trek. Um, A study in Iran also showed, though, that mothers taking fenugreek during breastfeeding not only produce more milk, but their children had more growth during the trial period than those in the control group. So it was not just more milk, like the milk was still very nutritious and the kids were growing nice, big and strong. And for these purposes, you don't even necessarily need to take like huge amounts of it, just enough to put into like a tea or even just adding it to your food can help support lactation and general health after giving birth. Fenugreek is also able to lower elevated blood sugar caused by insufficient insulin or insulin resistance, which is a very big area of study right now for the possible uses of the plant, specifically things like treatment for diabetes. There have been a lot of studies that you can look into here, but I just want to caution, like, please use extreme care, work very closely with a physician if you're looking to supplement or complement any treatments for diabetes. I lost my grandfather and a cousin my age to complications from diabetes. So it's no joke. Be careful. There is a lot of like really promising stuff, but this is one that I'm just like, don't play around with. Like, I don't even want to like say things that someone might pretend to take his medical advice because diabetes is just like so serious. Um, There have been some studies that do indicate fenugreek can help in reducing kidney stones, which is really helpful. Uh, Of course, though, we're talking about dick magics. So I got a plug. In folk traditions, it has very commonly been used as a remedy for low libido, like for a very, very, very long time. And unfortunately, when I was doing research for this, I found an article on Goop about using it for fucking libido. But we didn't know that when we planned this episode, boo Gwyneth Paltrow. Um, (laughs) But it has specifically been used to help with libido in older men. But there was also a recentish study in Australia that observed uh, younger men, like top age was like 40. And 30% of those in the study that were taking the fenugreek supplements saw an increase in libido. So historically, like with folk medicine, it's been a lot of it's been focused on older men. But it seems like young guys, you can get it too. So maybe if you've got a hot date, add some fenugreek to the food, you know, rev up that engine. Rev it up, honey. But it's also good for the ladies, too. So this herb can help balance hormones. So it's often suggested for use in menopausal women to help with, like, all of those nasty side effects of menopause, but also to help keep your sexy time rolling, you know? Just because things are drying up downstairs doesn't mean that you can't break out the lube and have a good time still. So let's get into some magic. This little dude is associated with the planet Mercury, the air element, and Apollo. 
very cool. Primarily, the uses tend to be focused on money, which I think makes sense, especially because of the long associations with like libido and like getting it up. I think that uh, money and financial wealth kind of all draws into some of those more traditional associations with masculinity. Um, and of course, with inflation right now, couldn't we all use a little bit of money right now? Oh, yeah. Uh... So I, I know I talked about it at the top. So obviously, I've got floor washes on the mind. But I was thinking adding fenugreek seeds to mop water for a magical floor wash makes such good sense. So I always love to include Florida water in floor washes because Florida water is also like excellent for drawing in like prosperity. Actually, historically, Florida water was used by like prostitutes or sex workers uh, to help them bring in more money from their clients, which I'm like we should probably cover Florida water at some point just because it is really fascinating. But I think like Florida water uh, sweet orange essential oil or orange rinds if you have pets, plus some fenugreek seeds. Mwah. You know, that's a great way to go. There's also a lot of, uh, a few different places I've seen have this recommendation for like a small like jar spell where you have an open jar and you add a few like fenugreek seeds every day to help attract money. And on that same note, like you could add fenugreek seeds to your uh, money bowl if you have one but the jar suggestion is to like literally the idea is you build it up a few seeds every day until it's full and then it's like and then just return them to the earth but for me on the gardening side of my brain was like okay I love the idea of starting a fenugreek like money jar in the fall that way by the time it's full come spring you can take all of that and like plant it in your garden how cute and of course, we're talking about prosperity. We're talking about something that's drawing in the good stuff. Throw some under your doormat. Of Why course, not? Of course. Fenugreek's also said to be helpful for grounding. So I think you could add a few sprays to, to like a few sprays, a few seeds to a spray that you use in your ritual space. I'm really into like sprays for magic and cleansing these days. I don't know. I'm on a kick. But I love the idea of taking some moon water that you've charged, maybe specifically under a new moon, because I think this would be really good for manifestation and grounding. You could do a splash of the liquor of your choice for shelf stabilization, a few fenugreek seeds and clary sage essential oil. So soak the seeds in the brew overnight and then remove them before using them so you don't like clog up the spray bottle. But then you could use that as a great like manifestation slash grounding spray to bring some good energy into your ritual space. I will often use sprays like that because I do a lot of ritual baths. And of course, I have one bathroom because it's Los Angeles. So the bathroom that I use for my ritual baths is the same one that everyone is just like stomping through all day, every day. So I do cleansing and things like energetic sprays and stuff before my ritual baths. Um, so maybe that's why I'm really into the sprays, just because I have to do it outside of my ritual space so often in the bathroom. My like bougie dream is if I were able to get my beautiful, big, old haunted Victorian house in far northern California, I would love to have like a dedicated magic bathroom. That's like oh, no that's, one comes in here fantastic. to drop a deuce. Like this is where I do magic. No toilet even. No toilet. Yeah. Anymore. No toilet necessary because no this, toilet is, necessary. this is an actual bathroom for magic bath, baths. Bathroom. Magic bathroom. Yeah. Love that. 
Yeah, but my sources today were Wikipedia, GardenersPath.com, The Herbarium, Herbalgram.org, Indigo-Herbs.co.uk, of course, Cunningham's Encyclopedia of Magical Herbs, and CirclesOfWisdom.com. I love that. And also, I just, I do love, um, as someone who loves Indian food, I'm like, I love when something that I actually eat all the time ends up having cool herbal properties, because then I'm like, oh, I'm doing doing good stuff I'm doing good stuff for my body yeah i love i love low lift herbal supplementation because oh, yeah. i mean who has time for crazy complex herbal regimens like no one except for fucking gwyneth paltrow we're we all no, have gwen. jobs and like do things it's like yeah gwen i i don't have time to steam my pussy I, like, yeah I, have I don't have time to steam my pussy while I fucking light a pussy scented candle and shove a jade egg up my cooch. Like, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I love how everything uh, at Goop involves cooch somehow. A lot of it. You know, I'm like, like, sure, cooch is great, but like, that's a lot of what you talk about, Gwyneth. Like, <laughs> it's okay to just say you're gay and want to eat pussy. Like, that's fine. Um, All of that to say, well, I think before we move on, um, if anyone out there wanted to contact us or show us some love and support that we so desperately deserve, um, how would they go about doing that, Shannon? Well, we love to hear from you guys. Uh, One of the easiest things to do on that front is to just message us through Instagram uh, Mm -hmm. at Pod. You could also, though, if you're, like, into the email thing, wantsandfrontspod at gmail.com. Of course, if you'd like to see our beautiful faces and you want a slightly more sometimes chaotic, uh, unedited version of the episode, you could go to patreon.com slash wantsandfrontspod, where for as little as $5 a month, you're going to get bonus episodes every month. Um, We're going to get back on doing our coven meetings this month. Sorry, guys, with all of the weird family stuff I went through, things kind of fell off for a minute. Um, But we'll do monthly coven meetings, which are really fun. And I think that getting to see me and Nick's beautiful faces, though, is a good enough reason to give $5 a month. But if money is not in the cards for you, because we get it. Because you didn't do the money bowl spell or the jar of of fenugreek seeds. Like, we're literally giving you the tools you need to make more money so you can (laughs) give it to us. So you can just give it to us. Um, but you know, we understand the desire to have a free way to support the podcast. And you know, even if you give to the podcast, you can also do bonus work and leave a review. So on iTunes, you can leave a written review. Nick has a great uh template for you. This podcast is good. And if you leave that as a podcast review, Nick will do a single tarot card draw for you. Um, you can also rate it on Spotify now. Rate, review, subscribe, download. Downloading the episodes is like, for some reason, very important. It's pretty cool to do. And honestly, it's like the other day, I was just, you know, kind of on the bus. I was bored. And I was like, I'm just going to download some episodes of my favorite podcasts. And really, just the act of doing it. I had such a good time. Didn't even need to listen to them. (laughs) Exactly. But I do, we did hit like a pretty cool marker in the last few weeks. We've officially hit over 5,000 downloads, which is fun That's and awesome. so much. Like you guys are, you guys are doing so good. Are you about to say they're horny for us? Y'all are so horny for us. <laughs> I love it. We're horny for you too. We love you guys. Um. Anyway, 
But yeah, so Nick, let's talk about Priapus. Yeah, and this one, you know, this one is kind of fun. And I'm just going to say up top here that even though there is kind of like a rapey story in here, trigger warning, there's like uh, some non-consensual stuff going on. I actually do kind of like Priapus. Uh, I think would be a good deity for beginners, um, especially if you are kind of like getting into you know, trying to like represent more of the masculine energy uh, in your craft, because I would say there is this like protective energy. And I think one of the like coolest things about Priapus that people don't really think about is that Priapus was a god of gardening. So that's like right up our alleyway. Um, and we're going to get into that later on. But so picture this, you guys. The year is approximately 100 BC, and you find yourself in the Greek countryside. You see a small farm or a garden, and there's a scarecrow. Pretty normal. Scarecrows have been around for a very long time. Um, but wait a minute. Why does the scarecrow have a massive realistic cock? Because Priapus. That's why. And actually, I think it's almost kind of fitting that the story of the biggest dick in show business begins a wedding with the manliest thing there is, a beauty contest. Oh boy. Um, oh my so, god, we're gonna get some drop-dead gorgeous going on in here? We're absolutely getting some drop-dead gorgeous thrown in for, for flavor. Um, because it's actually like the backstory of the backstory. So like you need this part of the story to like figure out why. I mean, you'll we're gonna get there. We're get we're on our way. We're on our way. So um Peleus and Thetis are getting married, and this is a big deal. All the gods of Olympus are invited except for Eris, the goddess of discord. Well, she sends along one of her tricky golden apples to the party anyway, and it was kind of rude of them to invite everyone but her, you know, like literally everyone but her. Like I'm also all for like you think you think you're gonna leave the fucking goddess of discord off your list and that's not gonna have a consequence it's and it's really I, I feel like this is a plot to like an episode of like real housewives of atlanta you know it's like how are you gonna invite everyone but me um anywho so she sends a golden apple and the apple is uh, there's an inscription on the apple and it says to the fairest well, these petty goddesses are losing their minds about who it could be for, so they get Paris, the famed warrior, to choose between the prettiest goddesses. So it's between Hera, Aphrodite, and Athena. Well, Paris chose wrong because he chose... I'm like, can we just talk about how this is the definition of no right answer? Right. And um, so he chooses Aphrodite, uh, the goddess of, you know, like love and like feminine beauty. And um, he says that she's the fairest and it makes Hera furious, which sets off a lot of discord. Thank you, Eris, uh, because it turns out Hera can and did hold a grudge for kind of a long time. Oh, what? Hera holding a grudge? A grudge? I know. We're we're all just trying to to process this new information. Um. So, um, blah blah blah. Things happen, right? 
Aphrodite's pregnant with Hermes's baby. And I guess we're having a baby shower, right? Which for the gods involves like really extravagant gifts and like obviously bestowing powers and that kind of thing. Um, so we're welcoming like a new god to the pantheon and it's great and it's a celebration and it's a party. And Hera, instead of bringing gifts or like, you know, some power or some symbolic thing um, for the new god, is like, I give your baby ugliness. And part of that is a big, fat, oversized dong that's permanently rock hard, unless he's trying to have sex. Like, that's, it's a joke dick. Oh my god. A joke dick. A joke dick. Um, which, rude. Like you're gonna, I'm so mad! Like, you're gonna come to someone else's baby shower, and then you're gonna curse not the lady, not Aphrodite, but her baby. Someone who's completely innocent in all of this. Wow. Um, wow. With, this, uh, with, uh, with ugliness this is and, some, like, and a joke dick. Real Housewives of Mount Olympus. Real Housewives of Mount Olympus, yeah. Like, some, like you could have just thrown a drink in her face, truly. And, like, that probably would have gotten your point across. But instead, we're doing this, which is very, like, Maleficent in Sleeping Beauty. Who, again, is the best villain in Disney history because she can transform into a dragon. Anyway, continue. Well, but also, it's like the other, like, fairy godmothers or whatever are like, she's going to be beautiful. She's going to have a, a singing voice and blah, 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 blah. And then Maleficent's like, yeah, and she's going to um, uh, be asleep forever or, or whatever it is. Yeah, but, well, like, let her be hot, hot, hot until she turns 16, and then she's going to prick her finger and go nighty-night. Yep, and, you know, it's like a curse. Anywho. I mean, that um, sounds like a fucking dream to me, but... Uh, truly, I'm like, I, that's just I, one I, I actually opinion. do just want to sleep for, you know, like, some years. Um, but all of that to say, we do have to talk a little bit, because why is Priapus so... Like, why is having, like... Okay, so maybe in the year of our Lord, 2022, it's like, wait, she gave him a big dick and then, and they think that's ugly? Like, what's going on there? Because now, again, we watch so much pornography, but it's like, truly, we think of uh, a big dick is like a good thing, right? Or I guess, generally speaking, we would think of a big dick as a good thing. But no, not in ancient Greece, not in ancient Greece, okay? Because we have to talk about the beauty standards for men in ancient Greece. And it was about um, civilization right? So the whole thing about having a big dick in ancient Greece was that you were kind of, it was kind of seen as like this very animalistic thing, you know, where it's like, you're more of a, an animal than like a civilized human because you uh, have a huge dick and um, you're like a, you're like a wild beast. Yeah, you need to have a dainty little man cock. You have to have a dainty little a, a, a dick a dicklet even a dicklet oh my god um and and you know it's, but it's but it was it was seen as like more civilized and that you are in control of your baser instincts by having this sort of small dainty manageable penis um so obviously they're affronted by priapus and his massive massive dog um and they cannot have this giant wiener around. So they do what 
they're so good at, like the gods of Mount Olympus, really, really good, abandoning their children. Um, and they abandon Priapus, and he's raised by shepherds. Um, which I kind of feeds into like the flavor of Priapus, right? So we get a lot of the flavor of Priapus as this man of the woods type of character. So there's like a lot of Pan, there's a lot of Dionysus, um, sort of this backwoods rustic character, right? Um, and while obviously a fertility god and straight up the god of digs. Now, something to keep in mind here, why do you need a god of digs? Because before modern medicine, you pretty much just had to pray for the ghosts to leave your penis alone. Um, and, you know, I mean, they didn't know what STDs were. They didn't know what chlamydia was. They didn't know what gonorrhea was. They didn't know what herpes was. Um, there was a lot of fuckiness in the ancient world involving, like, circumcisions and, like, when to do one for medical reasons. That is very, very gruesome. And absolutely, we're not, like, getting into that. But, um, you know, it was it was worthwhile. It was worthwhile as the owner of a penis to pray for its continued health. Um, and that's where Priapus comes in. But um, he did have this more protective and domestic side as well. So as I said at the top of the segment, being this god of gardening and also home protection, um, the latter of which I think is symbolized in the Hestia story, which we're going to be telling later on. Um, but while we're on the topic of home protection, though, it was a common thing to have at the gate or entrance to a Greek home would be these no trespassing signs featuring Priapus, often as a mosaic, but sometimes as like a painted sign. Um, and they all had these like little poems on them, right? And they all kind of said something along the lines of, if you're a boy or a girl who trespasses here, I'm going to fuck you until I ruin your holes. And if you're a bearded man, I'm going to fuck your mouth until you choke. Um, which is, I, I mean, just, I mean, think about that warning, though. Like, that's um, strong. It's a strongly worded warning against trespassing. I, wow. Wow. And so we do just kind of have to say that the common thing, if someone trespassed in your house in ancient Greek times, was to, um, rape them that's a thing and that's a there's a lot of um evidence that that actually happened and um it was a cultural thing and it that's true and you know um it's weird yeah i don't uh i'm like i there's nothing to be said about that um so that's really wow. aggro and um but yeah so they would have these no trespassing signs with Priapus with his giant realistic dick. And we're talking like they were really trying to be as anatomically correct and like detailed with anytime you like paint or do a mosaic of Priapus, like it's got to be like veiny. Like you have to like see the like wrinkles on the little foreskins and the, you know, it's like it's. Yeah, that like stick figure drawing on your. uh desk that desk that everyone knew about in high school that had dicks all over it uh-huh 
could never. Could never. Could absolutely never. I mean, y'all um, know, for, there was a year where, for like a semester, Nick and I sat in the same desk, but a few periods apart, and we would sometimes leave messages for each other. And I, I do remember that, and I love that, and I find it um, so iconic. Um, Sophomore year, baby. Anyway, sorry, that just made me think of that for some reason. And truly, truly, uh, that is the kind of like level of the sense of humor of a lot of the Priapus art. Um but, okay, you know, what is Priapus known for? So Priapus is known for being the son of Hermes and um, truly w was, like, uh, as far as, like, having cultic worship, more tied in with Hermes than um, having his own outright cult. So if you look at temples to Hermes, there is often a Priapus figure, a Priapus mosaic, etc., etc. But also there was this thing where Priapus is this house god that does represent protection. And you would have like a scare a private scarecrow with a big realistic dick. And you would have, you know, like the no trespassing sign and um, you know, like protection against the evil eye, the dick necklace, the wings, the the whole thing. But what is what is Priapus most known for? Um, the attempted rape of Hestia, the hearth goddess. So for that one, we're we're back at another. Um, Mount Olympus party get-together, right? And so a little bit about Hestia, which we've already done a Hestia episode, but here are the bullet points. So Hestia um, is the hearth goddess and every and, uh, very modestly dressed, but also this very powerful goddess because any offering that's made at a hearth, you know, she kind of gets a little taste, you know, like because the hearth is her domain, any sacrifice, a little bit's going to Hestia. So she's also a very powerful goddess, right? And, you know, she has these, like, high, high, high-profile suitors. Apollo, Poseidon. Like, these are not bottom-of-the-totem-pole guys. These are, like, the best guys you could, you could have going for you. And, um, but she's kind of like, I don't really care for either Poseidon or Apollo. And... So Zeus is like, okay, you can be a virgin forever. And she's like, well, that's not exactly um, what I wanted. I was just hoping, you know, maybe someone better comes along. And he's like, okay, yeah, you can be a virgin forever. Um, and, you know, it's like there's a lot of power in that of, like, being this powerful goddess who, um, you know, is a lifelong virgin or whatever. Um, you know, like, truly edging for life, right? Um, and... So we're, we're at this party, right? And of course, you have Hestia presumably tending to the hearth at this party, but she's there. She's there. Um, she's a virgin. She, like This is after she has been declared by Zeus to be a lifelong virgin, right? Well, we have Priapus. Priapus is also there. Priapus, there's like this forbidden fruit thing where, first of all, Priapus can never be hard when he wants to have sex anyway. So he's probably got like the worst case of blue balls in history. Um, and then also, like, Hestia is the one goddess that you literally just, like, are not allowed. You're not allowed. Zeus has decreed. You're not allowed to fuck Hestia. Right? So, he's, like, there's this party. Hestia is, I guess, drunk, passed out, whatever. Cannot, um, is not providing, uh, appropriate consent. Okay? And he is about to do the thing when famously one of Dionysus's 
asses or donkeys, but I like to think it's funny to say ass because we've talked about dick so much in this episode. Does a little, you know, and wakes Hestia up and then nothing happens, nothing happens, nothing happens. Okay. A lot worse stuff has happened in Greek mythology. I'm sorry. That's just the truth. Um, yeah. It's like, this was a miss. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. Um, and so now um, Priapus hates donkeys, though. That's the thing. Yep. And um, Hestia loves them. And Hestia loves them. So, you know, do with that information what you will. Of course, uh, Shakespeare, I had a lot of fun with that uh, in Midsummer Night's Dream, donkey mythology or donkey symbolism. Uh, and then we do kind of have to talk about donkey dicks, don't we? Because um, Priapus hates donkeys, but donkeys do have abnormally large dicks for their body size, which is hilarious. Uh, and um, it's funny. It's funny that Priapus hates donkeys, but donkeys have gigantic wieners. Um, the irony it, it's ironic it's ironic um but so i but i do okay so kind of circling back around like that story is awful but i think there is something to be said about like you know probably like a thousand uninterrupted years of like priapus sort of being again this like rustic fertility god and like really being this like man of the woods character and you know it's I see, I see Priapus more as that than like the story of Hestia because it's like Hestia is the heart goddess. And it's like, if you are like the, the god of home protection, it makes sense to like mythologize your relationship with the heart, you know? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And it's, it is one of those things where um, a lot of deities who are worshipped have done much worse things and have come yes. to completion on much worse things so i do think that um you know of course we don't condone that type of behavior but i don't think that priapus should be ruled out for, to, as someone you would work with because of right that. and like really um i think it's one of those things where it's like where it's like pan or dionysus where it's like the, you know it's that kind of sense of humor that you have to have about these kinds of things and like really you know it is at the end of the day mythology is mythology but it's like if you're trying to work with a deity i personally think it's like a-okay to work with priapus like i don't think you're gonna have like and actually kind of getting into it there is this kind of weird thing on the internet where people are like kind of bringing back like priapus and phallus and like this kind of idea as like a masturbatory act and it's like it's 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 honestly a little strange it's a little beyond the pale for me but like if that's something you're into i would say like i don't think there's like danger there um and i also think it's kind of funny like like truly as like a a protective ward for your house you could absolutely draw a dick above your door you could draw a dick under your doormat um you know it's like phallic symbolism is hilarious but it's also again very powerful magically and like if you want to lean into that protective energy you can, draw, you can draw dicks all over the place you could draw dicks in the dirt in your garden i love that you but then kind of going back to it though like another thing a lot of people back in the day would do if they were like devotees of priapus would be again to like come in the dirt in your garden I, you know, I wouldn't want to eat food that was grown in cum dirt. So maybe save that one. Um, yeah, it's not my vibe. Not my vibe either. Not my vibe either. 
Um, you know, it's like maybe like come on the side. Come on the side. Like love fresh vegetables, like obviously hail Priapus for that, you know, like God of Gardening, which I think is cool. Not farming, specifically gardening. And I do think that's like an interesting distinction to make because like it's a and like a gardening is sort of like a sustenance thing, like a farm is a commercial enterprise. So there's the difference yep. there. Um, the garden is like where you grow your food that you eat at home, yeah. and and Priapus is very much like the god of that. Yeah, it's like it all comes back to the home. It's all about the home, and for that reason, I do think Priapus is a good god to work with. But again, you know, it's up to you. But kind of going back to like the um, the dick magic se- segment, it's like things that Priapus would be represented by again antlers, horns wings because there's the Hermes connection so Hermes you know has wings and that's why it's a winged dick and not just a dick uh if you have the the evil eye necklace but also you know it's like put a dick on a scarecrow it's kind of funny but it oh. isn't the spirit it isn't it isn't is the spirit of the thing it isn't the put spirit a of the dick thing on a on a garden gnome put a dick on a garden gnome uh hilarious uh but also again in the spirit of the thing um in line, even. So I, I think this is one of those things where you could absolutely be doing serious magic, but also have a little fun with it. So yeah, magic um, can be fun. Life can be fun. Life can be fun. And, um, you know, if you're one of those people that just absolutely has to come on something or you're going to die, like, you know, just don't talk do it. Where, talk to a doctor but also like you don't you know just just like don't do it where other people are gonna see you because that really is like one of those things where it's like i follow this guy on twitter on my like grown-up twitter um where it's like he's always like on the green and he lives here in austin which i'm always like "Mm." but he um he like jerks off on the green belt and i'm like actually on one hand, it's kind of hot because I'm like, oh, I've been on that trail. But then also it's like, what if someone walked up on you that like didn't want to see that? Like that's Yeah, that feels a little rude. That's rude and it like really does push that boundary of consent. And then it's like, you know, like, did do you have to come in the woods? Yeah, no. I don't think you have to come in the woods. I don't think you, you have do to come what in the Nick woods. did get a woods tapestry and come in front of that and actually i you know tmi tmi but this is that episode where i'm just gonna say it um i've you know there have been times where you are just really into what you're doing um and you you do a big come you do a big come um and that is why you shouldn't have a tapestry behind your bed. Oh, man. So, on that note. On that note, we're coming to the bitter end. And I did the periscope today. And I have a message for the sea goats. Truly the goat greatest of all time. And some of my very favorites. Capricorn. Look at how cute this Capricorn is, Patreon people. Anyway. So I have drawn for you today the Two of Pentacles, which feels spot on for a few reasons. But check out this Two of Pentacles from this deck where the cat is like playing with the pentacles like cat toys. Love that. And also keep the cute little cat butthole that's displayed on here. Anyway. Uh, uh, Naturally, naturally. So first of all, like I feel like the Two of Pentacles felt 
so right for y'all for a couple of reasons. So first, it's springtime. Go, 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 go season, right? And like no one in the entire Zodiac goes quite like a Capricorn at full tilt. Like y'all just have cornered the market on it. And the two of pentacles, though, it's like all about balance. So right now you're on that like razor thin line where things are balanced because, you know, that's part of what this represents in the card. A lot of times you'll see the imagery of like the waves and ships that are upright. So it's like you're keeping the balance, but don't get too cocky. And I didn't mean to use cocky as a joke because of the episode, but here we are. So part of balance, though my darling Capricorns is also rest. And that's what I'm really feeling called to talk to you guys about in this reading today. So you're keeping all of the balls in the air right now, which is awesome. But don't forget that you have the power to put the juggling down and go take a nap. Like, especially if you're a Capricorn and a highly sensitive person, which I have a feeling some of the Capricorns that listen to this, who I love very much are, getting rest is not only like productive but it's important for your like mental and physical health but also astrologically you know a big thing came to mind for me when I saw this pairing was we recently had Jupiter transition into Aries right and for the past two years Jupiter has been in Saturn ruled signs so it's been in Aquarius and then of course your sign Capricorn and during this time I think everyone's felt a bit of restriction right because like that's what Saturn does It creates boundaries, limitations, and all of these things that Saturn is good at are vital to like long-term, slow and steady success. Big Capricorn vibes, one of your key talents. But Jupiter is the planet of opportunity and expansion. So having it in like Saturnian signs has put a bit of a damper on things. Hugh, mid-May, Jupiter moves into Aries, right? So there's been a lot of zeal and maybe even some frenetic energy around accomplishments and getting shit done and like having all of this new inspiration and energy. And for those of you with strong Capricorn placements, I think the shift might feel a bit more intense, which could account for some of this like epic juggling you've been doing for the last month or so. So to me, it's like the two of pentacles here is both like a good reminder always, but I think also kind of tapping into some of like these larger astrological themes that we're seeing this year. So just remember, naps are productive. And saying no to things that aren't just right gives you the space to say yes to things that are. So that is all. Well, love that. I know who that's for. Um, Shout out to the Capricorns out there. We love you. Um, And I guess, what do we say to all the big dick bitches? To all you big dick bitches, we say blessed be bitches. Blessed be you huge, long-having bitches. (laughs) Goodbye. Bye now. No, literally, I was was trying to give Faye the benefit of the doubt. She's been good while I was writing today. And I'm like, okay. Like, there was this point where she put a bunch of Ds into my segment, but ultimately that was easy to fix. Um... But also, that's like classic Faye. She's just contributing.